Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In three, two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie East, and this... this. It's the Sunday 7. Hello and welcome to the first Sunday 7. We've got some science and tech stories from the week, including good news for Tasmanian devils, new research on sexual attraction, and a live call from the space station. Now, if you spent any time watching Saturday morning cartoons in your youth, you'll be familiar with this sound. Most lively, mates. That there's a Tasmanian devil, the most vicious animal in the old blinking world. That's the Tasmanian devil. They're an extremely rare Australian marsupial who were wiped out on mainland Australia and lived as a protected species in Tasmania, where there are only 25,000 or so left in the wild. But now there's good news for the cheeky little blind as the first seven joeys have been born in the wild on the Australian mainland for more than 3,000 years. Tim Faulkner from the conservation group Aussie Ark is pretty excited at this breakthrough. We've been able to historically, albeit in its infancy, return the devil to mainland. And today is another milestone entirely. But there's so much more at stake than that. By having devils back in the environment, they help regulate feral introduce pests like the fox and cat. They regulate native herbivores like possums, wallabies and kangaroos. And they give platform and enable our endangered small mammals like bandicoots and potaroos and bedongs to survive and thrive. Good on you, Cobber. Remember traffic and, uh, well, you know, the pollution that comes with it? Well, you'd be glad to hear that more clean air zones are coming. Amanda Stretton's a motoring expert specialising in sustainability. So, Amanda, I've seen the signs, but what the hell are clean air zones? So, a clean air zone is a designated part of a city uh, where there is an air pollution problem. And therefore, vehicles that are of the more polluting type will be charged for driving into that area. It is a way of deterring motorists who are driving those more polluting vehicles from driving into those areas. Yes, yeah, I suppose that makes sense, but do they actually work? But what it is doing is it's really highlighting the problem to people of air pollution, and therefore it is impacting people when they are looking to change their car. Uh, I mean, we're seeing an, a, an unbelievable increase in the people who are moving to EVs. Um, people who were hard and fast anti-electric vehicle owners are now sort of starting to embrace them more and more. The charging infrastructure is getting better. So it's definitely helping people um, who are trying to make those decisions. And it sort of focuses the mind when you're looking to buy a new car. So as more clean air zones are launched, and I think Birmingham is next, am I in trouble if I've got an old car? There is no hard and fast rule. When you're looking at a car and you're talking about emissions, 
it isn't just tailpipe emissions. It's also the whole cost of manufacture, whether it be mining for metals, um, the carbon dioxide that's emitted when actually producing that vehicle, batteries themselves, they have a lot of um, emissions associated with them. So there is no hard and fast rule. You've really got to look at your type of uh, driving, how much you do, where you're going to go, um, the distances that you're going to be driving, and you've got to make a decision from there. What I would say, electric vehicles are improving dramatically. People who say that they don't provide the same level of excitement and interaction, I would totally disagree with that. Um, so I think there has never been a better time to start looking at some of these alternatives. So, if you're hunting for your perfect mate, what are the things you take into account? If you're swiping on Tinder, it's probably, I don't know, tiger pictures or the number of filters. But a new study from the University of Queensland identified nine key traits that make up sexual attraction. And Dr Stephen White, the behavioural economist who ran the study, has got some good news. Preferences that people state that they had historically had, um, or the previous generations had, and it, uh, pretty much hold. Um, but that... You know, the, the key differences between the sexes really isn't that big. Uh, males and females both find the same thing sexy. The study looked at the responses of over 7,000 Australians aged between 18 and 65 and it found that preferences shifted quite a bit with age. And what we found was there's a large percentage of the population um, that are very, very picky about a lot of things. But what's interesting is that for men, the, the pickier men are in the 20 to 40 bracket, but for women, the pickier women are in the 35 to 50 bracket. But come on, love's still got a chance, right? I mean, I know we're all picky, but there's still room for romance, maybe? It really just boils down to reproductive cost in that uh, women bear a much heavier reproductive cost um, than men, you know, internal gestation, ongoing lactation, um, you know, their, their evolutionary um, biological uh, pressures. But even in today's modern economy, you know, um, women pay a higher price um, having to come out of the labour market. They, on average, make less than men. Um, so to, you know, compensate and to ensure you know, the success of their offspring, it's not surprising that we see um, women favouring these sorts of resources. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We've all got our little phobias, haven't we? Can't go swimming in case of sharks, can't go in the shed in case of spiders, can't go for a picnic because of those damn seagulls. Well, maybe you've been misdirecting your rage and anxiety. Yeah, those things. You should have been worried about the tiny mosquito. Another one. Here's Professor Craig Montell from the University of California in Santa Barbara. They're the most dangerous animal on this planet. Every year, upwards of almost one billion, that's with a B, one billion people 
get sick every year from mosquito-borne diseases, diseases like malaria. And so there's really a need to figure out ways to suppress your population. Using the CRISPR tool to find and then edit the mosquito genes, Professor Craig and his colleagues have devised a cunning plan that should lead to the control of the mosquito population through some gene splicing to create sterile males, sorry lads, who'll then be released into the wild. This is a technique in which you release a lot of sterile males and these sterile males will then mate with wild-type females. So there's been a really important uh, goal in engineering mosquitoes that specifically affect male fertility. And uh, that was one of our goals. seen Chris Martin and Coldplay linking up with the International Space Station and astronaut Thomas Pesqui for the launch of their single Higher Power. But when they're not awkwardly resuscitating pop careers, there's actually a lot of work that goes on about the space station. This week, astronaut Megan MacArthur did a live video call to explain exactly what happens on board. Well, the International Space Station is a great platform for doing astrophysics research as well. It's outside the Earth's atmosphere, which of course can interfere, the atmosphere can interfere with particles that astrophysicists and astronomers want to observe. So this is a great platform for some instruments. We have a few that I know of. One is called NICER, which looks at the composition of neutron stars. Another one is called MAXI, and it's an X-ray all-sky monitor. And then of course, there's the Alpha Magnetic Spectrometer, um, which has been here for, I think, about 10 years, and it's um, part of the search to understand dark matter. She's previously spent 11 days on the space shuttle, which, you know, sounds a little bit cramped. Is there much more room to manoeuvre on the space station? There's a ton more space. It's like 6,000 square feet up here in the International Space Station. It's a lot of room to move around. Um, I could be in a module, and I can see right now three modules and I don't see any other people and I know that there's a lot of other people up here so it's a really big space which is interesting. Another main difference between a short duration mission and a long duration mission, the short duration mission you really train the heck out of every single thing that you know you're going to do um, and the days are very intense and you've got to get all that work done that day even if something goes wrong you've got to figure it out that day and get it done. Um, space Station has a very different pace. We're going to be here for six months, we're in it for the long haul. Um, you have to pace yourself and bring that energy every single day and you haven't trained to do every single thing that you're going to do um, in detail up here. And so you're, you're kind of constantly learning new things, which is also very exciting. At the Smart 7 first heard the phrase acoustic developmental programming, we were terrified that someone had invented an Ed Sheeran cloning factory, but thankfully it's something a lot more pleasing on the ears. <coughs> While it's no castle on the hill, what exactly is that? So this is not a pinball machine, that's actually some uh, little baby crocodiles that are still in the egg and they're about to hatch, so they're calling to each other to know that it's time to hatch, and they also call to their mother so that she can start digging out the nest. That's Meline Marriott, DECRA Fellow at the Centre for Integrative Ecology in Queensland. And she says that as well as being able to use the temperature to gauge whether it's time to face the bad old world, reptile embryos can actually listen from within the egg to see if it's safe. Crazy, right? 
Belin, why do they need to use sound? So sound is very important because it uh, gives embryos some information that they may not be able to get otherwise. But with sound, it can cross those barriers and then inform embryos about what's happening around them. And that information... Um, can be very precise as well so they know exactly what type of danger uh, is happening outside. And we're back to Ed Sheeran's music again but are they just listening for their buddies to tell them it's safe to come out or do they have to ask? So crocodile embryo call to each other and to the mother so that they can um, get out of the nest more easily because the mother helps them and they all get out together so it's very similar to what the turtle do they also call to each other and they feel the vibration of the other eggs hatching um, and that actually happens in a lot of species so in in frogs um, the embryos can actually feel the vibration of a predator approaching the egg mass and they can all hatch and then escape by falling into the water before the predator arrives maternity wards seem quite boring in comparison, right? What about us humans? Does it work when we play Beethoven to big bellies? Humans also use sound, but in a different way, obviously. It's not to know when to, um, you know, get out. <laughs> but uh, um, humans use sound to learn to recognise their mother um, so they can recognise her voice um, just as, as soon as they're born. Um, and they also start learning features of uh, the language. So even humans use sound. Sound in, in ways that are important. Yeah, except for Ed Sheeran. All right, I'll let it go. I'll let it go. And we'll leave you with this story, which either displays the triumph of the human spirit or a level of honesty that even Superman or Matt Hancock may struggle with. It's the stuff of nightmares. You're in your local shop, you're in a rush, you buy a scratch card and thinking it's a dud, you chuck it in the bin. Only thing is, you didn't scratch it all off and that card was a million dollar winner. That's what happened to Leah Rose in Massachusetts, but incredibly, she only found out when the store owner called her at work to hand it back. Here's the most honest man in the world, Abby Shah. So I was a millionaire for a night. <laughs> and my mom took the ticket and put it behind the counter. And I decided that I want to buy a Tesla first and then we'll see what I'm going to do with the rest of my money. My grandmother said, let's not keep the ticket. It's not right. Just give it back to them. If it's in your luck, you will get it anyhow. If I kept that million, I wouldn't be this famous. So I'm glad I gave it back. <laughs> Hang on a minute, mate. Sounds like you only gave it over because your grandma told you to. But well done, fella. We'll leave you pondering that moral quandary. You find one on the floor, no one's around, and it's a jackpot winner. What do you do? I mean, obviously, I'd hand it over to the local police station. I mean, of course I would. <laughs> of course I would. Come on. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris.